good evening everyone and welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. Happy Monday everyone out there. I hope you're having a great start to the beginning of your week and I know we're still in all this craziness but hopefully you was able to find some uh, productivity at the beginning of this week and just a, a good start to the week. You know the weather is getting warmer, the sun is out, you know and um, it's it's beautiful when the sun's out and I feel the sun in your skin, but, you know, since we're still in this crazy times of uh, coronavirus, we got to be careful being out there and, you know, congregating, unfortunately, just because we don't want this thing to spread up again. We want to get past it and get back to some normalcy. So everybody, as I always say, uh, stay safe and stay healthy out there and and let's, uh, you know, get through this thing together and try and get back to where things were normal. But anyway, um, as uh, we've been trying to do these last few episodes, just provide some distraction, some some fun, some educational distraction, you know, through, through black history. And um, today we're going to be highlighting a brother who, uh, who actually is, or was, should I say, the uh, first uh, a black man to play baseball. If you Google the first African-American to play baseball, Jackie Robinson's name will almost certainly come up and it'll be the first name that we see. But there were actually, there was actually one man who was 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 really the first you know, black man to play baseball in the major leagues. And his name was Moses Fleetwood Walker. Now there was another uh, uh, brother who went by the name of William Edward White, and even though he actually, you know, played was the first uh, person of African ancestry to play in the major leagues, he played one game. He uh, he actually passed as a white man. Um, he had white, you know, he had white uh, ancestry as well, and he was able to pass. So it didn't come out until later that he actually played in the major leagues first. So, you know, he's not really counted by historians, William Edward White, I'm talking about, is not really counted by historians as being the first openly black man to play baseball. Whereas Moses Fleetwood Walker, who we are going to be highlighting today, was the first openly black man to play in the major leagues at the time, um, some six decades before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Now, Moses Fleetwood Walker uh, was a uh, professional baseball catcher. And um, not only was he a catcher, he was a businessman, an entrepreneur. He worked as a postal clerk. He um, and you know ha- received a few patents for, for inventions that he um, invented. He also um, uh, edited a newspaper that him and his brother brought um, the, called The Equator. So he actually... Uh, uh, lived, you know, a fulfilling life. He accomplished a lot, especially during the time, you know, in the 1800s when, you know, things were really hard for us um, in this country, um, African Americans. So just a little bit of background on him. He was born October 7th, 1856, and he was born in uh, Mount Pleasant, um, Ohio. And um, the working class town that he was born in was a sanctuary for one for runaway slaves since 1815. So um, the town had a uh, it was a community of uh, of Quakers. I mean, in, in uh, the Quaker community, especially during the times of um, of slavery, 
they helped a lot with runaway slaves. As a matter of fact, some of the first and oldest um, uh, black colleges in this country were started with the help of uh, Quakers. You know, a lot of Quakers were abolitionists. And so uh, during the times of pre-Civil War and post-Civil War, a lot of them helped, you know, along with uh, black churches and businessmen to uh, fund uh, HBCUs and um, an education for freed men and women uh, um, after the Civil War. So this town that you know, Moses grew up in was a, it was a large Quaker community, as well as a collective of former Virginian slaves. And uh, his parents, Moses' parents, Moses Walker Sr. and Caroline O'Hara, um, or his mother was white and his dad was black. And um, his dad, uh, Moses uh, Sen- Walker Sr., was, um, was uh, uh, one of the first black physicians um, in the state of Ohio. He was also a minister of the Methodist Episcopal Church. Now, his dad, his father was in the state of Ohio since the year 1843. Um, And he came there, that's where he met his wife, who was already a native of the state. And they had uh, six children together. And Moses' brother, uh, Weldy, he also, um, we'll we'll get into him a little later, but he also was one of the first black men to play baseball. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Walker, uh, Moses and his brother, Weldy, they both attended uh, Steubenville High School because they, uh, the family moved to Steubenville when uh, Moses Walker was young, about the age of three. And uh, he went there and graduated from there, Steubenville High School, in the early 1870s. Um, and that was just around the time that the community passed leg- legislation for racial integration. And um, he had the privilege of going to college, Moses Walker. He enrolled in Oberlin College in 1878 where he majored in philosophy and in the arts. And uh, it was said that he was an excellent student. Um, He was good in mechanics and and rhetoric when it came to philosophy. Um, But he, you know, by his sophomore year, it was said that he was rarely attending classes. So, but he got into baseball and he was actually the second black player to play on the Oberlin's uh, collegiate baseball team. Uh, he was the catcher and as well as the leadoff hitter, and he had you know natural skill as a baseball player, and uh, he even gained mentions in the Oberlin Review, which is the school's newspaper, for his long hit home runs. Um, he did so well um, in for Oberlin that he was actually recruited and persuaded to finish, you know, his college education and playing at the University of Michigan. They recruited him for their own program, and um, you know he went there to uh, play for Michigan and to finish off his education there. And he did well performing at the University of Michigan, playing baseball with them as well. But of course, because he was black, uh, when he um, he actually had the opportunity to play semi-professional baseball in August of 1881, and because of you know racism. He, his presence was so controversial that uh, the the teams that arrived to play them uh, wouldn't even play. Um, he was, of course, um, you know, uh, cursed at, spit at by a lot of the spectators who went to see the game, and um, the members of the opposing team protested his participation in the game. So um, he actually didn't get a chance to play in that game because 
the company, um, the the team rather, um, relented to all the the uh, protest. He uh, was being paid by a company called the White Sewing Machine Company in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and um, this was the company that um, that owned the semi-professional ball club that he was playing at. And um, you know he uh, was able to play the game because the third baseman uh, couldn't continue to play because back during these days they didn't have the same protection that they have for baseball catchers you know the way they have the chest the, um, the chest plate and the, the glove back then you know they didn't have those same protections so when uh, when uh, the catcher couldn't continue to play he was able to go in and play but unfortunately <laughs> you know they uh, still protested and he had to deal with that a lot throughout um, his baseball career because this is only just the beginning. Now, by mid-1883, uh, he left his studies at Michigan and he, was, he signed his first professional baseball contract for a team called the Toledo Blue Stockings. For, it was a Northwestern League team. Um, baseball was so different back then as far as the leagues and even the team names. But in the 1800s, the Toledo Blue Stockings was a was was a major league team, and the Northwestern was a you know league conference the same way the American conference is now with a National League conference. You know, um, so he was invited. He was uh, signed his first contract for the Toledo Blue Stockings, and uh, the, the the manager for the team saw him play at, at Oberlin, and. Uh, he uh, wanted to sign him as soon as he was available. Uh, and he was revered, uh, he became revered for his play behind the plate and his durability. And as I mentioned before, there was no protective equipment. So he actually kind of fashioned his own um, protective equipment to protect his hands. And, um, but a lot of times he caught the ball barehanded. And um, he played in 60 of Toledo's 84 games during their championship season. And um, he was, you know, considered a, a major reason, a major reason of why uh, they did so well. But, you know, aside from having to deal with, with racism, he even had to deal with pitchers who, you know, didn't, you know, listen to the signals he was throwing. So, you know, the pitcher would, would, would throw all kinds of pitches at him and he would be unprepared for him, and a lot of times it would result in injuries. Even when he was at bat, you had racist pitchers who would throw balls at him, and he got hit, you know, a few times by balls from pitches um, that resulted in further injury. But, um, you know, he still, you know, was an effective catcher, and he still, you know, helped whatever team he went to play for. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't have the illustrious, you know, career that, Jackie Robinson had because of his injuries, but he, uh, you know, has the credit for being the first uh, black man to play baseball. But, um, you know, as we can imagine, you know, in the 1800s, you know, uh, he, his entrance into professional baseball caused friction to the point that, you know, teams, you know, the, the, uh, it was an exhibition game against the Chicago White Stockings. And it's funny considering that their name is the Chicago White Sox, so they didn't really change it too much. But the manager of that team refused to play against um, against Toledo Blue Jays. Uh, and even though eventually they did end up playing against them because the manager of the team 
uh, a man by the name of Charlie Morton uh, kind of uh, forced uh, the Chicago White Stockings hand, they vowed that they'll never play in the game again with what he said. Um, we'll, we won't play, we'll never no more play with a nigger in. And I mean, that's expected. It's the 1800s. So, you know, that kind of ignorance ran rampant in this country, you know, due to racism. But uh, he, because of um, injuries and because the team um, had to get rid of some of their expensive contracts, um, uh, they they let go of, um, of, of, of Moses Walker. Uh, toward the end of the season. Now, his first game was on May 1st, 1884, and uh, he was let go September 22nd, 1884. So he only played a few months for the team, but, um, you know, he was able to contribute a lot to their success during that short time. Now, because of the fact that he, you know, um, was able to get an expensive contract, he actually was able to command a contract of $2,000 as a major leaguer. Now, when he, uh, when his season ended and he was, you know, let go by the team, him and his brother, they uh, brought a hotel in an opera, in an opera theater called the La Grande House. And um, so, yeah, he was able to take his, his contract money from baseball and invest it in this uh, business with his brother. And he still continued to play baseball. He played in different leagues. Uh, he played in the Western League. He played in the Eastern League. But and, and he he did okay, but um you know none of them you know none, none none of those teams or because of injuries there was never really um, any you know stellar performance uh, by him during these during these years it was more just for the love of the game that he still continued to play baseball and his brother actually played with him as well uh, for a little while in a few games. And after they left Major League Baseball, there was no other uh, black American that played baseball until Jackie Robinson came in 1947. So there was a good, you know, 60 years or so that there was no other, there was no other black face, black faces, excuse me, playing uh, baseball, Major League, on the Major Leagues, that is. Of course, there were the Negro Leagues, but in the Major Leagues, I'm, I'm talking about. But now, after his baseball years, he uh, he uh, moved to Syracuse, and uh, well, actually, he was playing in Syracuse, so he stayed in Syracuse, and um, he was playing in Syracuse during um, when he was playing for the uh, the uh, the Eastern League, and uh, he played for the Syracuse Stars, and he was playing there in 1888, and he played there for a little while. He played there for for maybe about a year. Um, the last game he played for them was August 23rd, 1889. So after he was let go by the team, he uh, stayed in Syracuse and actually returned to a position in the postal service. You know, even though he could have, you know, you know, you know, went to, you know, continue going into business, he just, you know, returned to a position in the postal service and he uh, actually um, got into inventing things because there was a Syracuse University professor that had been experimenting with firing artillery shells with gunpowder rather than compressed air. And um, he, this, this professor had a failed invention called the Justin gun. And so uh, Moses Walker was fascinated by the idea, so he designed and patented an outer casing in 1891 that remedied um, the failure that this professor 
um, you know, um, um, uh, that this professor dealt with when this with this invention. The professor's name was Dr. Joel Gilbert Justin. So he was naming this after himself, the Justin gun. So uh, Moses Walker's uh, patented um, improvement was able to remedy the Justin gun's failure. And this was the first of four patented inventions that uh, Moses Walker um, actually received under his name. Now, this invention uh, didn't really garner enough interest, but just, you know, the fact that he used his intelligence after baseball and put it to something like this, and this was just the start of, or just the beginning of his, you know, uh, patented inventions. He um, had some hardships throughout his life as well. In 1891, that same year that he received his first patent, he was involved in an altercation outside a saloon where he was uh, confronted by a group of white men and they were uh, throwing racial insults at him. So one of the members of the group, uh, which was a bricklayer by the name of Patrick Murray, had approached him and threw a stone at his head, dazing him. So Moses Walker responded by fatally stabbing him with a pocket knife. Now, he surrendered to the police when they came and claiming self-defense. He didn't, you know, try and resist or anything. He was compliant. Um, And he was charged with second-degree murder, uh, which was lowered from first-degree murder. And on June 3rd, 1891, and this is the kicker, he was found not guilty by an all-white jury. And you can imagine how that was shocking. I mean, even, you know, going over the research, it was shocking. It, you know, uh, all white jury in 1891, you know, and, and this is a black man. And we see so often that, uh, you know, brothers go to jail and they're completely innocent. They might not have been nowhere near wherever the crime, you know, occurred. But, you know, uh, all white jury was still sending him to jail. And here in 1891, I don't know, he must have had some somebody looking over his shoulder to be... Um, found not guilty by an all-white jury and of course it was a delight to all the spectators in the courthouse the black men and women who were there to support him and after that of course you know he left Syracuse returned to Steubenville Ohio and again he went to work, work for the postal service I don't know it seemed like he just liked you know working for the post office I don't know <laughs> I don't know but he always returned to the postal service wherever he worked and he handled letters for the Cleveland and Pittsburgh Railroad um Now, another hardship that he faced was that uh, the year in 1895 that his wife uh, died, she died at the age of 32 from cancer. And um, three years after that, you know, he got remarried to um, a woman named Edna, who was a former Oberlin student. But um, in 1898, he was found guilty of mail robbery and he was sentenced to one year in prison where he did his time in Miami County and Jefferson in Jefferson County Jail. Now, after he came out of jail, and this is about, you know, the turn of the century in, in 1900, he, um, along, he along with his brother, uh, brought the Union Hotel in Steubenville, and they still continued to manage the Opera House and a movie theater in um, a nearby town as well. Now, as host to opera, at the Opera House, there was host to the opera, live drama, vaudeville, as well as other shows. Um, he was he became a respected businessman uh, in the town, and he even patented some other inventions, 
uh, one of the inventions that he patented was something that improved film reels. Um, and uh, he was able to patent that and put it to use in his business. By 1902, they um, got involved in uh, publishing where they were the editors of a newspaper called The Equator, which explored ideas of black nationalism during the early days. And um, he also was a writer. He published a book called Our Home Colony in 1908, where he talked a lot about Pan-Africanism, going back to Africa, um, expressing, you know, you know, thoughts, you know, that many other Pan-Africanists um, talked about Marcus Garvey and uh, Francis Fanon, um, a lot of their, uh, you, know, just, you know, talking a lot of ideas that they talked about as well. And this was, you know, in the early 1900s. Uh, his book was regarded as the most learned book a professional athlete ever wrote. Um, his book uh, shared his thesis on the victimization of the black race and a proposal for African Americans to immigrate back to Africa. Now, he, uh, uh, his, his second wife, she died in 1920. And um, after that, he sold the opera house and managed the Temple Theater in Cleveland with his brother. And uh, on uh, May 11th, 1924, unfortunately, Moses Walker died from uh, pneumonia. And he was 67 years old when he died. Um, and it's funny because, you know, during those times, you know, reaching the age of 67, especially for a black man or black person in general, was uh, an accomplishment considering um, the way the times were for us. But he made it there. He made it to 67. He got to play professional baseball. He got to, you know, do, you know, you know, uh, hard labor, not hard labor, but manual labor as a postal worker. He got to own businesses. He got to, and you know, invent things and receive patents for it. You know, throughout his 67 years, he definitely lived a fulfilling life. You know, he came from, you know, a, a good home. Dad was a physician, enabled him to get a good education at college. He was able to marry twice and have some children. And, you know, he has the legacy of officially being the first black male to play in the major leagues. So um, we just wanted to highlight him and just talk a little bit about his life today on Everyday Black History and about his accomplishments. And, um, you know, just uh, salute him for his contributions to black history and black culture. So that's Moses Fleetwood Walker. And um, he's officially the first black man to play baseball. And that's no disrespect to Jackie Robinson. I mean, of course, you know you know that. But we just wanted to set the record straight that he was the first, you know, black man, you know, and who played baseball who was openly, who was open about it. You know, um, even though there might have been one before him who passed, he was open about it and proud of his heritage and had to deal with a lot because of it, unfortunately. But, um... So yeah, so Moses Cleaver Walker, we thank you for your contribution to black history and black culture, and we salute you. Now that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History, and um, hopefully it was able to provide some bit of a distraction, and um, and it was always it's always fun going over these these uh, you know historical you know men and women of our of black culture and black history, just because so many of them are unknown. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure maybe some of you listening may know who he is, but 
I kind I just kind of stumbled upon him and started just looking him up and doing research on him and you know was surprised because I thought that Jackie Robinson was the first as well um, who played in, in the major leagues but to find out that you know so many decades before Jackie Robinson played baseball there was this man Moses Fleetwood Walker who dealt with it who dealt with what Jackie Robinson dealt with on a much higher level because it was the 1800s and you know some of the people who went to see those baseball games they owned slaves so can you imagine what what he had to deal with you know when they watched him play so we just wanted to highlight him because it's you know it's, it's men it's men like him and the people we highlight in everyday black history the men and women who we highlight they're the reason why we are able to to live in this country and even though we still have it hard we have it much easier because of them so we just wanted to salute moses walker on this episode and uh we will be coming soon with more black history and black culture so stay tuned for the next episode